I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good afternoon, good evening, everyone. It's Across the Romaverse, episode 33, and we're here to sift through the wreckage of a Roma loss against a big six rival, another Roma loss against another big six rival. It's Roma AC Milan at the Olympico. It finished 2 1 to Milan on the day, and we're just giving you the heat of the moment reaction on the very same day, right after full time, me, myself, and Stephen. And uh, yeah, Steve, how, how do you feel just off the top of your head? Oh man, eh, frustrated, frustrated to say the least. Uh, I thought it was a bit of a roller coaster of emotions today because unlike some of the other big six losses where Roma just got handled in the second half, I thought you know their their initial reaction out of the locker room was good, um, but it's just another loss, and, and another loss does no good for us. You know, Lazio tripped up yesterday, Juve tripped up. It looked like things were setting up nicely for Roma. Uh, but they didn't take advantage yet again. And, you know, beating the bottom 10 only goes so far when you're losing to the top six head-to-head every time. Yeah. Did, did, did this game, the way it went down, did, did this seem like yet again, like very different to how the other ones went down? Because that's, that's what Fonseca's alibi was before this. Is that – or sorry, it was actually VR who said it. Like, they don't really know what to make of these big six uh, results because every result has happened differently. So did this feel like anything you've seen before? Or was it yet again just another a, a game unto itself? I think this one felt a bit different. I, I do think it felt different because they didn't get handled. Like, you know, the Lazio match, they were handled. Atalanta handled them. Napoli handled them. This felt like until that, especially until that Rebic second goal went in, Roma had a chance to win this game despite having to dodge a lot of bullets early on. I mean, they were fortunate yeah. not to be down, you know, 3-1 at halftime or something. But, uh, you know, a loss is a loss. I'm, I'm sure you can take more positives from this one, but it, in the standings, there is nothing positive about it. <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. Well, we'll get into the details later on in this episode, but first of all, let's recap how this game went down. First of all, before kickoff, Roma went into the game knowing, like Steve just mentioned, that Juventus and Lazio, among others around them in the table, dropped points elsewhere. And there was the opportunity also to close in on an ailing AC Milan in poor form above Roma in the table, while Milan themselves went into the game needing to reverse their form and keep the pressure on their crosstown rivals into at the top of the table. So everything was on the line in this match. But some facts for you, spoiler alert, AC Milan went into this game having been awarded a record 14 penalties in the space of 20 Serie A match days this season, or 0.7 penalties awarded per match, if you want. Uh, but on the flip side, no two Serie A teams have scored more penalties this season in the league than both AC Milan with 10 scored and Roma with 6 scored. So if you thought this match was going to be decided from the spot, it would have been worth a bet before kickoff. Um, four of Milan's 10 penalties scored this season have been scored at nil-nil to break open the game. 
Uh, you know, scoring at different phases of the game is a different story in itself, but scoring at nil-nil is really golden. So Milan actually have scored twice as many penalties as their nearest rivals at nil-nil in the Serie A this season. And that would be the story of this game with Frank Kesti opening up the scoring from the spot uh, in this game. But before we get to that, we should say that Milan made headlines before the game, or, or Stefano Pioli made headlines before the game by choosing to drop his star defender, Alessio Romagnoli, he, he of uh, former Roma days, who went on to move out to Milan. He was dropped for poor form, and English centre-back Fikayo Tomori stood at the start in his place, and Tomori had an eventful match as well. Roma, meanwhile, meant it, went into this game still dealing with their injury crisis at the back. There was a back three, starting back three tonight of Gianluca Mancini and Federico Flazio, both flanking Brian Cristante at the heart of Roma's defence. So Roma uh, kicked off this match looking like it was fair and loving at the Olympico. Um, Gonzalo Villa has talked about it in the past few weeks, and I'm sure he's not the only one, but uh, he's, you know, he's talked about how this poor form against big six rivals is starting to get into Roma's heads. And it showed in the opening 30 minutes of this game, uh, Roma lost the ball officially six times to Milan's two. It felt like more than that watching the game. Uh, Milan made five interceptions compared to Roma's one, and uh, Milan uh, were called offside three times compared to Roma's none. So really, just the the a few like sharp offside calls really kept Roma at nil nil in this match before Kessier's penalty decided to change that story. Um, Roma even had more possession of the ball up to that point. We know that Roma are a counter-attacking team by nature, but they were forced to keep hold of the ball while AC Milan pressed them in their own half and just waited for Roma to make those mistakes. So, Steve, what, what do you make of this um, in general? Like, what, what do you make of Roma's opening half now? How, how did you feel even just watching it? It wasn't very nice. Yeah, oh, geez, it was, it was rough, uh, especially, you know, you could even cut it down to the first 15 were extremely t- hard to watch. I mean, you, yeah. Milan was close three times, uh, you know, the offside on that first one. Uh, Ibrahimovic, God knows how he was offside on that when Rebic slid it across to him. That was like uh, not something you expect from him because, you know, he was by himself. If he waited one more step, that's an easy goal. Uh, Plenty of opportunities for Milan. Roma was dodging bullets left and right. Uh, It could have gotten ugly real fast. So, you know, luckily it didn't because of the offsides and and those kind of things. But, man, it, it it was tough. You know, Roma started to show a little life closer to the half hour mark, like you mentioned, but it, the opening, the way the match opened to see Roma come out that, I don't know if it, I can't even say flat. It was more like they were playing tentative. Like, you know, they just kind of yeah. let Milan come right at them. Like, and, and the headlights. yeah, like, like a deer in the headlights where I, I guess maybe the top, these top six struggles are starting to get to them. You know, a big opponent comes and usually Roma has been very good at the Olympico this season and they, they did not play like it at all <laughs> to open the match. Yeah. I'll be, uh, I'll be honest with you. I did originally want to narrow it down to the first 15 minutes because that's how it felt like to me. But then uh, surprisingly, the numbers on who scored the stats didn't really make it look as dominant. It was, uh, it was only including the first half now that, that uh, it really started to look like Roma losing the ball a lot. Uh, before then, it, you know, to my eyes, it looked exactly like how you said, but apparently it was mostly offsides that, that kept it at nil-nil. Um, but yeah. It's just, uh, we had on our forum, we had someone, uh, one of our members say that this was the worst opening to a Roma game scene since that uh, that first leg away at Anfield, Liverpool in the Champions League semi. Yeah. Um, 
Is that how it felt to you? It certainly felt like that with Twingy. It felt that way. I mean, the scoreline didn't indicate it, luckily. Uh, and we were able to stay in the match. We didn't We didn't give up six goals like we did at Anfield that night. But it felt like it because the other matches that Roma has lost this season in these head-to-heads against the, the bigger clubs, they, you know, the Milan match, they actually gave a goal early the first time around it and were able to draw that match 3-3. But like the Lazio, Napoli, and Atalanta losses that were heavy losses, they those kind of like unraveled in the second half where things just spiraled out of control. Roma was, you know, in those matches for a good 50, 60 minutes. This this was bad early on. Um, and then Roma yeah. luckily grew into the match and, and it was an entertaining match. I'll, I'll give it that, but not the result we were looking for and certainly not the, the start we were looking for. Um, yeah. You know, in terms of how does Fonseca address this, I think you have to think about, it's going to be a quick turnaround because Fiorentina looms on Wednesday already. Um, mm. one of the biggest underachievers in the league, in my opinion, over the last couple seasons for the amount of talent they have on that team. Um, al- also coming off a late loss say, to Udinese. So there's not, they're going to be coming in with much momentum or much confidence. So I think it's going to have to be Roma. Who's the aggressor on Wednesday. And, and hopefully they come out the right mentality. I wish we had 11 John Luca Mancini's on this team mentality wise, <laughs> because I, I, yet again, yet again, he was early on seemed to be the only one at times that had the right you know, attitude where he wasn't scared of Ibrahimovic. He wasn't scared of Milan. Whereas a lot of other players look very tentative. You know, VR had a loose touch that turned into a pretty good looking chance for Milan early. You know, Lopez, we saw with uh, that, that awful giveaway. We saw mistakes all around the pitch, just loose Mm -hmm. passes from guys. And and Mancini seemed to be the one guy uh, that is like, you know, has this, the right spirit, no matter who the opponent is, what the situation is, in in my opinion, Mm -hmm. from what I've seen. I mean, I, I left this match feeling very differently to what, to what you just said, but we'll, we'll talk about that one later on. I, what, what I'm really curious about with these kind of losses stacking up, and I was thinking about this during the game, so this is why I'm asking it right now, because this is really a heat of the moment question for me, is, um, I mean, you, you've just touched upon it a little bit, but specifically, when you're Fonseca and you come out in the post-match conference and, and even the pre-match conference um, uh, against Fiorentina. Luckily, like you said, there's only a few days left uh, till the next game, so there won't be so much talk left before the football starts kicking off again. But in between that time, how do you really answer the, the questions that you know are coming from Seca's way about this big six form? Because uh, it struck me, I was thinking about in the middle of the game, it struck me that if you just don't address it and move past it and focus on, on the, of the positives of Roma's play today, of which there were some, um, then the fans come at you after the game and they say, oh, you must be delusional as a coach. Mm-hmm. Like you just, you know, you're just not, you're not seeing what's happening on the pitch or you're just sweeping it under the carpet. If you actually talk about it and answer the journalist questions and, and really focus on how Roma looks so tentative in this opening half now, then that becomes the talk of the town. Yep. So like how, What's the best option here to to make sure that your players aren't like getting this thing growing bigger and bigger inside the heads and from now until Fiorentina? Yeah, it's not an enviable position for Fonseca because you know you and I are both big supporters of him this season, and I we I think we both agree that he's overachieved with the roster he, he has. And you look at the advanced metrics. You know, I saw a tweet just a couple of days ago from Utimo Uomo where they showed the expected goals against, and Roma had the best expected goals against in the league. And the beginning of this match was the complete opposite. Uh, by yeah. halftime, I think they, they would have conceded uh, on the XG like 2.63. It was something over two and a half, I think. Wow. Uh, which yeah, is way, which is way above. What we see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we've seen them give up those those individual errors, which again hurt them tonight when we'll get into those. Uh, but they were giving up many more clear-cut chances than they usually do. Um, and it, it's got to be hard for him to address because 
his style of play has been so good against many teams in the league this year. It's just these big teams there for some reason. Uh, and I think this could come down to individual talent. I like a lot of the pieces on this Roma team. I wouldn't, uh, you know, get rid of many of them, but it seems like when they come head to head against these bigger clubs with more talent, they are able to take away those passing lanes and, and kind of take the wings out of the game a little bit more than the smaller clubs. And that's where Roma, I think has struggled. You, you saw Spinazzola was fairly quiet. Um, I thought, Karsdorp was fairly quiet when they were the two wingers in the, the three, five, uh, three, four, two, one. So it, it, there's gotta be some mental aspect to it, but also I think there's a, a jump physically in the opponent that is starting mm. to uh, show its, you know, show its, you know, rear its ugly head, I so agree. to speak, where Roma can't keep up yeah. in certain aspects where, you know, against the bottom 10, Spinazzola and Karsdorp tear down those flanks. And, yeah. you know, it should even out a bit against better teams when you have a Taylor Hernandez on the other side. I mean, Calabria's had a good season. He's not, you know, your prototypical star right back, but he's been good this year. He's probably playing his way onto the Italian national team at this rate for the Euros, but uh, he made Spinazzola yeah. very quiet. Uh, so I think there well, is since, definitely since he, a physical aspect too. Since you just got on to Taylor Hernandez, that, that leads me nicely to our honest question, which is... Um, not only were Roma playing a flat back five, which we will touch upon after, but like more specifically, uh, it looked to me like Vertu was playing like all over the left wing, especially for the first half. And I was very confused as to like it was so deliberate that it looked like it was an instruction. Um, and it was like it, that even emptied out the midfield, and it looked like it just left gaps for Milan, yeah. for Milan to run at Roma. So what, what exactly was uh, Fonseca or Roma trying to achieve by having Vertu out there? Was it was it that a fear of like a Tierra Hernandez crossfield ball to the right wing for Milan or what? Yeah, I mean, Teo kind of terrorized us the first time around from what I remember. He scored that lovely goal. Um, and I guess they were trying to avoid those kind of curling shots, those crosses, things like that. Because I, I know Teo finished with a high rating. I didn't notice him as much as I usually do in terms of like mm. kind of marauding down that left flank for Milan. So yeah. um, it could, I mean, could have I, been that. I, I'm asking you specifically because you, you've mentioned TL this this season, like like you've like you've looked at his game a lot. So yeah. like, well, is he is he known for the crossfield ball, or is it more just like he's just an individual solo act? I, I I can't say too much about the crossfield ball because the only time I you know I watch Milan, I watch them occasionally. Like I watched him last week against Inter, it wasn't a you know their best performance to really judge players on, and against yeah. Roma. But you know Teo is arguably the left back and best left back in Italy probably right mm -hmm. now. You know, yeah. Spinazzola has given him a run for his money this year, but overall, I think it's probably goes to Teo still. Um, and he is a dangerous player. And normally he, he marauds down that left flank at free will. You know, he's, he's a guy that scores goals at, from left back. So he's always a danger man. And I didn't see the same danger from him, but when you look at the stats, he was clearly liked by um, who scored because he was rated over an eight. So yeah. him and Calabria had very high ratings. I, I guess the, the goal was to take Teo out of the game. And I, I guess for the most part, uh, in terms of him making those individual runs and those individual efforts they did by doing that with Vertu. But like you said, there were huge gaps in the midfield. I mean, there were times when Rum were backpedaling and you're like, who's going to pick up the, the dribbler where they were just. Yeah. Well, just, I mean, just, just to be clear, I mean, I, I probably expressed myself badly, but when, when I said Jordan Vertu on the left flank, I meant Roma's left flank, which is the opposite of. Oh, the opposite of, where, of the solid maker yeah. side. Yeah. 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 Um, so. Um, if he's not, yeah, if Hernandez, because I haven't seen him as much uh, play as much as you have this season. If he's not known for that crossfield ball, then I'm just left confused as to why Valtu was out there on on Calabria's flank. Yeah, I mean, um, it's yeah, I, it maybe might have been a fear of Salamakers, who I, I rate fairly highly, but 
Uh, it just, it just, it was confusing that Roma had no midfield to protect that defense at that point. Yeah. Um, and and we know ahead. VR is not really the strongest defender. We saw him a couple times yeah. get pulled out of position tonight, and which we we talk about all the time. And you know, we don't really hold it against him as a twenty year old young midfielder who's more known for his possession based football. But it becomes a problem in matches like this. And and uh, you know, the commentator at one point when Diawara came on for Ver too, they were like, "Oh, this isn't really an upgrade for Roma." But I felt like. Diawara, I almost thought about, you know, should Fonseca throw him on at halftime for VR just yes. for that, that, that aspect of being able to break up play in the midfield a little bit more because VR was yeah. like, you know, <laughs> being from Spain, I guess you can compare him kind of to a matador today where he was kind of just like, you know, ushering the bull past him in, 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 in ways, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I love VR's but, game and what he brings from a possession base aspect, but when you're getting overrun in the midfield, it, it's hard to watch sometimes. Yeah, so it's like you said that it, when you come up against a physical opponent, it just you know the, the guys like VR start to look second best or yeah. you know those balls. Um, uh, what I really don't like seeing that I've seen it before. Like we you know we just mentioned it briefly, but Roma looking scared, dropping deep, playing a flat back five with no one mm-hmm. coming out. And this is why I felt differently to you is that I didn't really see Mancini coming out and being the aggressor. I, I saw it as Federico Fazio being the only one really pushing up. Um, trying to make sure that not everyone was standing in a straight line in, in the back line. Um, you know, I, I won't pretend like I didn't see Fazio make a lot of mistakes as a result, um, but that's going to happen when you're really the only one that's being aggressive and trying to pressure Milan on the ball. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I mean, I, I, won't, I won't put it to you as a question, but I'm just saying personally myself that I was very disappointed to see Roma scared and playing like that because when it, when when you see them, Standing five in a line, it just that just says fair. We've talked about that before, um, and I was surprised to see it from Mancini of all people. I mean, uh, we'll get it into it more later with the key players, but evidently we saw Mancini's performance uh, very differently this game. Um, it's obviously we, we both agree that he's coming off a very hot, hot run of form, but um, this this game ended two one, so we're going to pick it apart later on. But Speaking of Mancini, um, he did pop up at the other end in the first half and had uh, uh, scored it from a well. Sorry, it wasn't his goal. It was uh, he got a knock-on header that Mkhitaryan put in in the net, and that that was disallowed for Mancini foul on Teo Hernandez in the box. Was that a correct call in your eyes? I mean, I, I didn't I didn't think there was as much in it uh, uh, to to take the goal away. I, I thought you know he just beat Hernandez to the ball. And whenever you're above someone, if they start to jump after you and you're, you know, he didn't really push. I guess the referee said the elbow got Hernandez a little bit. I, I thought it was a bit harsh. What, what did you make of it? Am I just seeing this from too much of a Jaloroso, you know, hue, <laughs> or was it a, was it a foul I, in your opinion? No, I, I felt like you uh, at first first glance. Uh, then when I saw the replay, I saw his elbow going to the back of uh, Hernandez's neck. I thought that's a foul, but that was only after seeing it on the replay. So I was surprised that the referee saw it immediately. Yeah. Um, he must have been standing in a really, really good position. I, I wouldn't have called it had it just been live, but then, you know, rewinding it back and, and slowing it down. Yeah. He does, he does, before you even make co- contact with the ball, he, his elbow makes contact with the Hernandez neck and he gets the leverage off that. So I felt like on paper, given the benefit of hindsight, it's a great call. And I say that grudgingly. Yeah. <laughs> it's always right. it's always hard in those 50 50s to, to give the better for the doubt <laughs> yeah we're moving on we're moving on so um after that yeah rama considered the penalty they ended up on the, the bad side of var um after they overturned the referee's original decision to let a fazio 
let's, let's call it Fazio contact with uh, David Davide Calabria slide inside the penalty from his penalty area. It's actually on on the penalty goal uh, penalty line, but that is part of the penalty box. Uh, I'll just I'll just ask you bluntly, Steve. What, was it a penalty in your eyes? In the rule of the law, it's a penalty. Uh, and I, I, I admitted that, uh, you know, I, I replied to a Milan fans tweet, um, it, that it, it is a penalty by rule of the law. It's a penalty. He, he did on replay step on Calabria's ankle in the box technically because he was on the line. Uh, but to me, it was a very frustrating penalty to give up because you had weathered that Milan storm or Milan, you know, just peppered the, the Roma goal. You got away with a couple offsides and, and things like that. And then to give up the goal on a play where Calabria is a, back to the goal at the edge of the 18 uh, on the right flank there. I, I know it's just a reaction tackle from Fazio, but if you wait one step longer to try to play the ball or you let Calabria just dribble out and pass it out, there, there's no harm, no foul there. But I mean, True. you know, and then Kessie, when he gets to the line, does not tend to miss. Uh, I was almost hoping Ibrahimovic would take it because his record from the spot is surprisingly not that good. Um, well, also, also, Paolo Lopez does not tend to save. No, and he actually <laughs> he actually came fairly close on this one. He actually read it right. But the thing yeah. I noticed with Lopez, like a lot of goalies will, once they know which direction they want to dive, will kind of take like a jump to the one side and then dive. He yeah. kind of just dove flat and that, yeah. you know, gave Kessier just enough space to um, slot it through. Because it wasn't like perfectly in the quarter. It was a fairly well-taken penalty, but it wasn't like a perfectly taken penalty. Yeah, um, saveable. You know, I, it, I mean, it was, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not just having a go at Paolo because he's, no. he's self-admittedly said that penalties are his weak point, and and it's always looked like it ever since he's come into Rome. He's he's never, he's never convinced. Like, he's one of those people that that looks beaten before the penalties taken. Yeah. So. What did you make of the foul? Was it a was it a penalty in your in your view? Like you said, um, <laughs> I I grudgingly say this again, but on paper it's a foul and it's the correct call. Uh, but it just leads me to my question that I've already asked you like two, three weeks back, which is where is uh, VAR taking football nowadays? Is, is mm. any contact in football a foul nowadays? And if it is, then if you're, if you're an attacking player, um, do, you, do you still play the ball in football nowadays? Because yeah. it seems like you've got a much better chance of, of getting ahead or getting the edge if you just go down. And Calabria made, made, you know, he made sure the referees went back and looked at it because he yeah. laid on the ground as Roma took the ball back down the flank. That ball yeah. didn't go out of play until, you know, they wanted to get him treatment. They, they played on almost another minute or so probably before they actually went and looked yeah. at it. It was a pretty long time. It wasn't like an immediate went, reaction from the referee. He contracted gangrene uh, instantly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just not one, not one of those uh, – calls that I like to see given and and just just to like as I was debating it in my head during the game I know it's not specifically my Roma bias saying this because if I see Roma benefit from those kind of calls I don't feel comfortable about it either I just think that it's yeah it's just it just it just looks soft yeah and I don't I don't know where the game is headed because if I'm if I'm a player on the pitch in in the opponent's penalty box I've got a much better chance if I if I feel any kind of contact whatsoever I've got a better chance of going down than actually you know playing the ball like you said Calabria was with his back to goal, um, undecided of what he was going to do with the ball. Yep. It's on his weak foot, mm -hmm. and uh, he just he just feels his other foot get contact and just goes down and yeah. gets rewarded for it. And Calabria knew it too because he knows he's no danger to Roma there. He's no mm -hmm. danger to Roma. There's there's nothing he can do to to harm Roma there besides make a perfect pass maybe out to somebody who whips in a cross or something. Other than that, there's there's nothing he can do. Um, yeah. He's not someone who's going to turn Fatu or anything. It you know and and talking about you know is everything a foul these days like. 
I happened to watch a little bit, uh, just a little bit of the first half of the Chelsea Man United game this morning. Um, not the most entertaining match, but there was one instance where uh, it went to VAR because Hudson Odoi was marking, I think it's Greenwood is the player on United, and the ball kind of popped up as they're both running away from the goal and Adoy was playing um, you know, defense and it kind of grazed his hand as his hand was up and it was very subtle. Yeah. And, you know, in Serie A, they might have called they might have given the, the penalty the way we've seen things called. And it was kind of a refreshing yeah. thing to to not see that called. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was such so, it didn't really affect play that much, but the the way things are going now, it's like every little touch, every little push, any little handball is called, especially last yeah. season. It's been a little bit better this season, I'll give them that, because last season any any touch with the hand was a penalty last year it didn't matter how it yeah. happened yeah yeah and we're not just making it up it was proven yeah. that Serie A statistically uh Serie A refs statistically awarded more fouls in Italy than they than the same Serie A refs actually did in the European competition like Champions League and Europa League so apparently there's a different set of rules going around the peninsula in the last two seasons yeah. than, than elsewhere um but you know, we said that Roma had some positive moments in this game, and they surely did because he came out in the second half, and Jordan Zatu got the equalizer at one-one and a very, very well-taken goal. How did you feel then, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I tweeted at halftime, and I don't tweet a whole ton during the match. I put out one or two here and there, and I tweeted out pretty much that you know the next forty-five minutes will say a lot about Roma's top four chances, and mm-hmm. you know we need to see a reaction from Roma if if they're going to you know hopefully win this game because wins against the you know, losing these six pointers only goes so, so far when you beat the bottom teams. And yeah. I thought the reaction was great out of halftime. I, I thought coming out and scoring within the first 10 minutes was exactly what we wanted. I, I then followed it up with a second tweet that said, that's the reaction I was looking for um, because we haven't seen that from Roma this season in, in these big mm. matches where they're kind of backs against the wall. They kind of come out uh, a little tentative in the second half. Like they, they come out in the first half and, then the game gets out of hand and that it was a great goal from there too. Love well taken uh, goal. I was very excited. I thought that that was kind of the turning point for Roma, uh, you know, until they gave up the second goal, it looked like they would have had a good chance of winning the match. And unfortunately, you know, it only lasted so long before Milan was able to capitalize on another individual error and kind of turn the match around again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I thought it was a beautiful finish from that too. So I, I give him full credit for that one. But as you said, the game would turn yet again. Um, but uh, it, it didn't all go Milan's way before they scored a winner. It, they suffered almost that, yeah, well, it was their entire front line that was decimated. There was an injury to Chalinoglu, followed by an injury to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, of all people, and then followed by an injury to Rebic, uh, who actually got a goal before he went off injured. But uh, Milan's front line and, uh, now, is now decimated. And Steve, let's just be real. Like, do, do, do we wish Milan all the misfortune in the world right now? Because I am. I'm sure I am. Uh, Yeah, 100%. Because to me, they're still not out of reach. I know it's back up to five points. But uh, M- Milan lately hasn't been the most impressive side. They, they, you know, they beat us today. And, you know, give them credit for that. But yeah. I think, you know, they're a team that could start to stumble some more. They're still in the Europa League like we are. And they're more, depending on how serious some of these injuries are to their attack, you know, you're playing with Leao and who up front for the, the, the midweek match. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> a couple of these guys that aren't really attacking players, Benacer is already out. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know how much longer he'll be out, but, you know, they have their own issues to worry about. Um, when Ibrahimovic came off hurt, I thought maybe we'd have a chance because it was still 1-1 at that point to to then, you know, avoid giving up a second goal. Unfortunately, we didn't. But yeah, I'm, I'm rooting against Milan, just like I'm rooting against Juve and Lazio and Atalanta and all the teams we're competing with because Roma's still in the mix, let's be real. 
but yeah. you know it's going to take some some things from Roma to you know put them in the position to be in the top four. You know, yeah. sp- specifically head to head against Atalanta more than anything. But um, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, we well, root against yeah. them. Yeah, I hope Milan go down in flames. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's like like Steve said, they did win this match outright two one on the day. Uh, talk us through the, the winning Milan goal, Steve. It's scored by Ante Rebic. Yeah. So at first, I, I you know I guess I didn't notice that Paul Lopez had given the ball away because you know things happen quick and you just see Rebic turn Mancini you're like shit. That doesn't happen very often that Mancini gets turned by someone like Rebic. Rebic isn't like you know the qu- swiftest player. The yeah, yeah, but he made a great turn in the box. But it was also tough because Mancini was coming from a wide position because. Uh, it was off a goal kick that Paul Lopez decided to kick to about midfield, gave it right to Milan, and then Milan broke quickly. So, you know, Mancini, Cristante, all the defenders are kind of out of position to defend it. Uh, mm. So Rebic made a smart play because he knew Mancini's momentum was carrying him one way, kind of turned the other, and he he made a great shot. But I think the goal has to be on Lopez in that case because he put his team in a bad position. Um, you know, Lopez had his moments where he was big for Roma today, but he also had a couple moments where – he could have really hurt them. And in this moment, I think it did hurt them. Um, you know, uh, Lopez. yeah, Lopez, because it's, it's tough to, to justify that goal kick to like, no man. Yeah, no, that's true. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to justify it. Like Lopez is, is guilty of his error. Yeah. Right? That's, that's where we agreed on that. But I didn't, I didn't see Roma, Roma defenders out of position. I, I didn't see them like trying, like I didn't see them with like giant gaps giant gaps and like run full pelt at, at Milan players I, I just saw like especially with Gianluca Mancini I saw him like he had he had Rebic covered and for some reason he just went one way and Rebic sent him you know uh, Rebic went the other way and uh, even after Rebic uh, turned him like Mancini tried to recover and then gave up recovering and like yeah. almost like like he felt like he was defeated yeah, yeah, it, it wasn't the best for Mancini either on that goal. Um, I think the root of the goal, the root cause of the whole situation was on Lopez, but no, it, Mancini could have done better. It's not the best we've seen from Mancini. That, that's why I was surprised initially that Rebic was able to get so much space on the shot. Um, you know, yeah. I, I would have expected Mancini to close harder once he was beaten. It's, it's not like him to kind of give up like that. So I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Yeah. But it, it certainly came back yeah. to, to no. haunt Roma. No, normally you at least get like a, you know a, a diving sliding tackle in yeah. for, the, for the cameras but mm-hmm. uh, that was just Mancini pulling up but yeah I, I'm not absolving Paolo Lopez of, uh, of responsibility whatsoever it was his giveaway that started the whole move um, uh, Roma tried as they might Houghton Puff at the other end uh, after Milan sensed a, a win was on the cards and uh, probably the biggest flash moment in, in Milan's penalty area after that closing out this game was Henrik Mkhitaryan uh, getting either impeded by Tia Hernandez in the box or or the referee chose to see it the other way around so because Heron somehow impeding Teo Hernandez himself. Uh, what do you make of the referee being the star of the show tonight by booking Henrik McTarren for a dive inside Vina's box, especially after that 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 penalty given at the other end? Was the was the card for the dive or the reaction to the call? It was it a, was it a dive? Uh, well on, on commentary I had it was for the simulation. Okay. But yeah. I, 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 I thought it was to that. the reaction, but it, it could have been either one, but either way, I, I thought it was harsh. I, I thought, um, I, I thought Hernandez impeded him. I, the way it looked to me, Hernandez was like almost in like a bridge position where he was like halfway down and then just decided to hold his leg firm yes. in, in Mkhitaryan's way. I didn't see Mkhitaryan push. I didn't see him tug. I didn't see him do much to 
have the call go against them. If anything, you let the, the, the play go. I don't think you call a foul on Mkhitaryan. And if you're going to call a foul, I think it has to be on Hernandez there. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just a 50-50 and you let it go. And, and wherever the ball goes, it goes. Because I didn't see enough to call a penalty on, on Mkhitaryan. Did you? No, uh, I didn't. I didn't see a foul by McTurn. I mean, I did like in like after like five replays, I did see like from one angle, McTurn did do a barrel over over Hernandez's leg, which went very dramatic the way he landed on his back. But not not very dramatic, but it looked dramatic. So maybe that's what the referee saw live, and maybe he knows better than we do uh, what players' body language looks like when they when they go down diving. Um, but I like you said, I, I normally. Just common sense would tell me if I'm really not convinced it's a penalty, I just let the play go on. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. I, I, you know, growing up watching football in the late 90s, that would have been given as obstruction, what Hernandez did. Yeah. Now, I, now I think so. obstruction isn't, isn't a thing in football anymore. Yeah. yeah it's like they call Apparently everything else now. In football anymore. Like, yeah. I was just going to say yeah. they call every other I, little tic tac foul, a handball, and, and this other nonsense. And then, yeah. like an actual obstruction, they don't call anymore. Yeah, you can you can just sit there, plant your feet, not play the ball, get in the way of the opponent, and apparently that, that's okay. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's one thing between standing your ground and then another thing between, like, purposely obstructing when you're standing and just pretending like you're standing your ground. Like, Yeah, yeah. The, the, the difference is trying to play the ball. And, yeah. and Hernandez is not playing the ball whatsoever. He's not, like, not the at ball all. is long past him, yeah. And he's just standing there holding on to McTaren, and apparently – uh referees he's for, for a Roman player to end up in the yellow card yeah the, and, and, and the referee didn't even um didn't even seem to check var or anything like didn't i didn't see his exactly. hand go to his ear yeah. to even listen to see if he had made yeah. the right call where you go to the var for the the calabria you know foul on fazio which was rightly called a penalty but like at least go and look at this and i think that that was the gripe too i think uh, pellegrini got yellow carded right after this too for saying something to the ref at some point he kind of gave him the little like yeah thumbs up like okay great job um (laughs) you know and 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 Roma was not happy with Guida tonight because Fazio and they were saying at halftime he was kind of lucky not to get red carded because he got the yellow for the foul but also then was clapping in uh Guida's face as he came away from the VAR which would have been harsh I think to send him off there but you know it just shows Roma wasn't very happy in in a few instances with uh, the refereeing well, who would be? But yeah. uh, speaking of being unhappy, our sponsors won't be happy with us unless we take a commercial break right now. So we're going to do that, and then we'll be back with the key players, and uh, we'll look forward to the week ahead and the Fiorentina game. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, we're back, and we're going to talk about man of the match in a Roma loss. So we're going to have to talk about Milan players and the highest ratings I saw on who scored immediately after 
full-time, went to Tia Hernandez. Uh, like Steve, I didn't really notice him in this game, but he got an 8.0. And uh, that's Ante Rebic. He scored the winning goal. Frank Kessie featured for all of 94 minutes of this game and uh, got high ratings. And then there was, of course, Donnarumma in goal, who uh, is used to being one of Milan's star performers. And uh, Calabria at the back, who some people deride as a, a right back. But I certainly, like Steve, agree that he's, he's bringing himself into contention for Italy duty this summer. So, mm -hmm. Steve, given what you've seen tonight and how these uh, five names play for Milan, who, who's the one name that jumps out at you? Like you'd, you'd rather have, they hadn't showed up tonight other than what I, they did. I mean, I guess, you know, based on uh, end result, I guess you have to kind of say Rebic because he scored the winner. Yeah. Um, but maybe Calabria because guess what? Spinazzola was pretty quiet down the left flank. You know, he did get down the left flank a few times, but never really did much meaningful, you know, there wasn't much meaningful action yeah. from when he did get down deep in the, in the Milan side. Uh, he, yeah. he, he drew that the penalty with his, a little bit of a theatrics, I guess you can say in terms of his screaming and rolling around the floor, probably prompted the referee to go back and look at it. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. Based on that overall body of work, I'm, I guess I'll tip Calabria here because he did kind of slow down what Roma's preferred way of attacking is. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, like what the what. A, I but agree his, with you. Yeah, I, his, his overall numbers weren't the greatest because his passing percentage was only seventy percent. But yeah, I agree with you, and I love the fact that you you talked about it as a body of work because yeah, it really was like the it had a little bit of everything from Calabria tonight. Yeah, you know, off the ball, on the ball. Um, on the on the VR screens, off the VR screens. So yeah, he he really uh, stitched together this Milan win tonight. If, if he hadn't shown up tonight, then we might be talking about a different result. And um, one I, number I was just going to say, one number that just jumped out of me when I was looking at these five players uh, real quick on who scored was that Teo Hernandez had 84 touches. That and, and I guess that's why he had such a high rating because he was yeah. he was on the ball a lot more than I realized. Yeah, one of Milan's more confident players who yeah. likes to take responsibility. Yeah. But I, I, going back to Calabria, I, I even saw him uh, run across into the middle of the pitch and intercept some balls mm -hmm. right late on when when Roma were ready to counter. So yeah, five yeah, interceptions I, and four tackles led led the team by far. Nobody else was even close yeah. on Milan. Yeah, so I've got to I've got to give man of match to Calabria. I think we're both giving it to Calabria. Um, and uh, I remember him popping up with a goal. At, at, at the Olympico against Roma two seasons ago, mm -hmm. that more or less helped yeah. sink Di Francesco. So yeah, he's apparently got a thing for Roma. <laughs> um, what about on the Roma side? Who who played the the best for Roma out of our bunch? <laughs> it, it's it's funny because if uh, if I if it wasn't for that giveaway on the goal, probably Lopez. With I think he had mm. seven saves according to the official. Uh, match report from said from the league um, mm. in terms of saves. I think they had seven saves for Roma. That's a, a fairly high number. Yeah. Um, but then the giveaway kind of you know hurts his cause. I think. Yeah. yeah. Isn't um, is isn't that a paradox? Given that he was signed to be good with his feet, yeah. And now we're looking at him. He's he's bad with his feet, but he's great with his hands. And I'm sorry, nine saves. Face. They have him down for nine saves. They have Donnarumma down for seven. So you know Roma had their chances too on goal. They just weren't as well placed uh, in some cases. But I guess if you have to go with man of the match for Roma, it's probably, you know, Vertu, his his number is pretty high because of the goal and Spinazzola is because of the assist. Their overall numbers weren't the greatest, but uh, it's hard to say because even Pellegrini, who had flashes, his passing percentage was low. Yeah. It, it, who would you pick? 
I I would have said Mkhitaryan had he had he at least finished one of his chances. Yeah, like like he he worked hard to create chances mm-hmm. as well. So that that's why he's in the mention for me. But I'm gonna give it to Paolo Lopez because uh, he's like uh, without him. Uh, that opening the game's off out of hand. Looks, yeah. looks very differently. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I probably have to tip Lopez, even though he did give away the ball in the second the second goal because it wasn't, you know, he didn't give the ball away right in front of the goal. It still took yeah. a little work for Milan to score. And and like you said, if he made nine saves and a couple of those big saves, you know, Roma's probably down three nothing at halftime or something. This match is way out of hand. So I guess I guess yeah. we tip and Lopez then, begrudgingly. And then and then <laughs> begrudging yeah. begrudging is right. Yeah, if, yeah. Without. So that first half now goes differently. Paolo, uh, Paolo Fonseca is fired in the morning, so he, yeah. he should buy buy Paolo Lopez a beer right now. Yeah. Um, what about the Vatu Villar combination in midfield? Is this is this officially a very doubtful combination now? You've talked about Roma being a team of individuals or like impressive individuals in a good way, but uh, where's the unity there? Yeah, you know, I, I like them both as individual players. You know, Vertu, I like his work rate. I like you know he scored a goal tonight, very nice goal, um, but sometimes. You know, him and VR don't sync up very well together, I don't think. Um, you know, sometimes Vertu's footballing IQ leaves a little bit to be questioned, too. I, I don't know if you see the same thing sometimes yes. with the loose passes no, and I, things. I agree with you. Yeah, exactly. I love his work rate. I love his what he brings to the table in many ways, but that that's an issue. Uh, VR yeah. is the opposite, where he has that footballing IQ. He has that, you know, close control, that dribbling ability, but he doesn't have the, the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, I, we talked about this a couple episodes ago where Vertu does a lot of running, does a lot of work, but he doesn't always put in the most tackles and he's not the most mm-hmm. successful tackler on the team. Yeah. Um, so if, it's... If, if, if Vertu was more um, more defensively minded, then, then you would say that there's a good uh, combination yeah. of like what the, other, what, what the other one lacks. But truth is, Vertu is just like, I mean, I don't want to say just, but he's, he's a runner who puts himself mm-hmm. down the pitch, but he's not, he's not a great defender one-on-one yeah. at all. So yeah, they're both, he, they're both missing that. He's kind of that guy that puts his head down and busts his rear end for you, but d- yeah. it, there there are things missing, and and sometimes the footballing IQ leaves a lot to be desired. He, you know, he's not quite Rajan Angolan. He replaced Rajan Angolan in terms of like his box to box work rate, and he does mm-hmm. those things well and will score the way Nangolan scored. But I, as, as a complete footballer, he's not the same player as like Nangolan was. If you had, I think. Yeah someone a little more complete like a Strutman or a Nangalan or a Derosi playing next to VR VR would shine a little bit more because he'd have a little less um, of that defensive responsibility on him, especially when you're only playing really a two man midfield. Um, You know, if you're playing a three man midfield, it might be a little easier to get away with the things they do. If like a DOR was anchoring them, something like that, Mm -hmm. I think, but in in the big matches, they they leave a lot to be desired from a defensive standpoint. Yes. They, you know, he scored a goal today there too, but you know, the gaps in the midfield were very evident throughout the match, throughout the yeah. match. Um, yeah. And and I thought this was one of VR's poor performances. Yeah. Now, Nangalang was uh, never someone that I felt was a good anticipation defender. Um, like he, he left gaps behind him a lot as well. Mm-hmm. But the difference between him and Vertu is that, at least with Nangalang, like if he's, if he's doing a recovery tackle, he ends up like making a very, very late uh, one-on-one situation where he has to defend. I'd back Nangalang every time because he oh, yeah. that strength and that physique, you know? He would go down yeah. and his tackles were clean and, and they were, yeah. you know, he had those rip socks, always had the rips on his calves yeah. and the socks for some reason. And yeah. he would come in and clean as a whistle, come back from behind and, and steal a ball away. And you know, you don't really see that from Vertu. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, there's too much defensively missing from this midfield right now. And, uh, we and, and exactly le- know. Let me yeah, ask right? you, because now that Pellegrini has been playing higher up the pitch, you know, his defensive numbers have gone down, but do you think, 
And I think Pellegrini has added a little more defense to his game this year, but do you, do you think he looked better early in the year defensively because there too, doesn't really stand out and VR doesn't stand out. So we weren't accustomed to having a midfielder who can really, you know, rack up six, you know, takeaways or, you know, in, you anticipate a couple passing lanes, like things like that. That's a good question. It's a very valid question. Um, I mean, the most I can say about it um, is that I've, I've definitely seen Pellegrini round out its game and, and work on every single area that used to be a weakness, um, as, including defending. Like, his, you know, like you said, we talked about before, his, his intercepting, his reading, his read of the ball and how to cut it out has gone up you know, almost like two, threefold this year. Um, so yeah, as you know, as you're saying, credit has to be given to Pellegrini in that sense that maybe he was actually holding together yeah. the, the defense in this midfield. And it makes me start um, to wonder if like, you know, I, I, it would be hard to play him and maybe VR together. I don't know like what the combination would be, but maybe with El Shirari in the fold and now Pedro healthy again, do mm-hmm. one of these like midweek games or one of these games against a team that's not quite as strong, do you slide Pellegrini back a little further and play El Shirari and Mkhitaryan up front and maybe mm-hmm. pair a Diawara or somebody else with, Pellegrini yeah. try something different in the midfield I don't know because the the gaps are there a lot of the time yeah I mean something has to change you know I I, I understand Fonseca's attraction to that to VR right now because it, it gives a lot in attack gives you a lot different like you, you got a, a VR who can uh you know uh, basically dance past people if they make the mistake of closing mm-hmm. it down and then you've got that who can make the runs in behind or everywhere so attack attack wise it gives you a lot of variation but yeah. it's just the balance isn't there defensively, so not at all. You know, I, I think it's time to, to close it up a little bit and drop dropping Pellegrini is as good idea as any for sure. Yeah, yeah, because you know against the smaller clubs we can get away with having those gaps. It's it's when we play these top mm-hmm. six teams that have the players to really make you pay for some of these these spaces yeah. you give up. That's when we really get hurt. Yeah. Do you do you do you see other big teams like Lazio, Atalanta, Napoli just uh, letting Roma have the ball and and trying to press them like Milan have today? That's a good question because it seems like, you know, and it's funny because Juve and Milan both let us have the ball. Different approaches in the way they went about it, but both were effective in the end. You know, Juve got the early goal. And that was what I was afraid of with Milan was when they were coming at us in those first 15 minutes, it was that one of those was going to go in and we were going to have a hell of a hard time to try to break them down and get another goal. But yep. they, they kind of played more up-tempo than Juve this year. And they, they came at us constantly with the pressure. Uh, which is probably why Roma won the possession battle. Because when you look at the final numbers, I think Roma had 54% possession or so, uh, which is not something Fonseca tends to have his teams do this year. He'd rather yeah. counterattack. And and some of Roma's best chances came on the counterattack when they were yeah. you know coming at, at Milan. Um, but it would be interesting to see what like an Atalanta does. If, do they decide to adapt to Roma in the sense that you know Roma has trouble building uh, yeah. and, and striking, maybe Atalanta gives us the ball and, and attacks us because that's the kind of team that can kind of do what Milan did today, I feel like. Yeah, uh, Lazio, yeah. Lazio, same thing. You know, Lazio has those players like SMS and, and Alberto and Chiro who can make you pay on the counterattack if they're given the chance. And um, even Napoli with those pacey little forwards they have in Insigne, Mertens, guys like that, they could, you know, they could certainly make us pay too. So it, yeah. it, it'll be interesting to see those are those last three of the big matches we have left against like big time teams to see how they approach us. Um, and I don't know much about like a Shakhtar Donix. I don't really watch them play unless Roma plays them, but I'd be curious to see how even a team like that approaches, you know, Roma. Yeah. And if we get past that, maybe do we play a bigger club in Europa league, like a United or somebody and how do they approach it? Cause 
it, it's going to start begging more and more questions of Fonseca's side is can they break teams down? Um, mm. And that's why I'm, I'm going to bring up the substitution pattern a little bit here because I was actually going back and forth with Brent around the 60th minute or so. And I was like, you know, it's got to be SES time soon. Like El Shawari has got to come on soon. I, I don't understand how this is the kind of match where you're down two one. He's the one guy who could kind of break the match open that the match was, you know, technically two one. So it was broken open already, but in terms of getting a, a second goal back, like he's the kind of guy that can break down the defense. And I, I thought those subs should have come sooner because uh, mm-hmm. VR was having a poor game. Um, you know, like I mentioned, I thought maybe DOR should come out at halftime, but yeah. you know, I, El Sharari, I think, could have been maybe a little more time would have been beneficial having him on the pitch because they needed something that was going to break down a defense. And 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 a lot of these guys that they have aren't the type of players that are going to break down defenses. And, you know, we keep circling back to this name, but again, Azaniolo, like nobody does mm-hmm. what he does in terms of just run at a defense. You know, Tamori's a young defender. Yeah. Maybe Zaniolo gets him on his back foot a little bit, you know, things like that. So, um, because I, I watched I, that Inter Milan match last week, and and Lukaku and Martinez ran at that defense, and they had a, they had yeah. worlds of trouble. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I I I was thinking it from a slightly different angle, but with the same names involved, which is like when you when you talk about players like Lukaku, Zaniolo, um, and a player who I feel Roma are missing right now, which is Chris Smalling, mm. is uh, they all bring that physical side. Yes. where you know, like they. Um, if 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 a team team start, tries to press you, and it ends up being like one on one physical battles, um, those players are going to come out on top more often than not. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm I'm really like looking at these these the last three remaining three three games or four if you want to count Inter Milan, but a lot. Oh uh, yeah, we play Inter too. That's true. I forgot yeah. about that because they're kind of they're kind of head and shoulders above exactly. at this point. Yeah, they're so they're so they'll be so big favorites going to that game that maybe we shouldn't count them. But um, you know, I'm looking at those games wondering if, if it's not going to come down to missing those players if, if Smalling's not available or Stanley yeah. is still not available because, you know, if I'm if I'm an op- opposition coach of those teams, I'm thinking, look, uh, you know, this, this Roman's team's a little bit soft and we could turn it into like a few one-on-ones. So that, that's the story of the game, right? You know, just press VR if, if, we make, if we decide to play them again. And uh, you could really turn the tide of the game and get the edge right there. So yeah, yeah and and for. and even bringing up Lukaku and Zaniolo, and, and Zaniolo is nowhere near the level of Lukaku right now. Lukaku is playing like mm. possibly Serie A MVP right, right now. Lights out. But in terms of just that big physical runner with the ball who can shoot or pass, like you you like you envy that because Roma's missing that right now. And yes. Zaniolo yeah. is the closest thing Roma has to it. And when I, I watched Inter again this morning, cause they were the early game. So I was eating breakfast and stuff. I throw the game on the TV and, and Lukaku is just playing out of his mind right now. And you know, that's yes. kind of the, the I, thing that Roma's I, missing on their counter attack. Yeah. I, I didn't get to see that Inter game yet. Not even the highlights, but I saw him last week, um, you know, running down through AC uh, and scoring left foot near post. And I just yeah. thought how many players in the league could do that right now. Yeah. yeah. Romagnoli can thank him for being on the bench today. <laughs> he made, he made Romagnoli look real bad. <laughs> well, that, that brings us to our, our next question, which is a guy who was invisible tonight up front for Roma, in my opinion, anyway, uh, Bohemerval, the jury is still out on him in, in these big games. Yeah, uh, is is there anything that we learned new about him tonight, or is he? Have we now filed him away as like a 
a guy who's nice to have a, as a squad option, but not someone you can rely on in these in these crunch matches. Yeah, you know, like I like him. I like what he's brought to the team this year because it's it's been a while since Roma's had a second striker who's like a valid option. Um, yeah. especially like you know, we in the past like we've thrown Kalinich into those Europa League games. He didn't get it done. We've thrown him into some of those midweek matches or smaller points. He hasn't gotten it done. Whereas, you know, Mayoral's gotten it done in those matches, but in these bigger matches. Um, I, I still think Jekyll could have been very useful in the second half today at the very least, um, mm-hmm. you know, because that, that physical presence, like you said, might've been, might've been useful against Kyer and Tamori today. Maybe Roma could have approached a little bit differently um, because you even look at like some of the corner kicks or the free kicks, unless it Mancini or Fazio's up, there wasn't any real big body up there or Cristante, all the big bodies were in the back. Um, and, and it takes, and Roma's not great on set pieces as it is in terms of scoring goals. And when you don't have a, a, a more physical striker, you really see what Roma's lacking. Like you'd mentioned early the, in the, you know, summary, it was Mancini whose foul got taken away a goal, but he was the one that set that goal up. He was the one that was up in the air playing yeah. for that ball. You know, you don't see yeah. many other players up, up there unless yeah. it's, and, you know, he can get up and- there. In his defense, despite the fact that I feel he had a poor game, uh, he is that guy who shows that desire to, to try and win those balls in, yeah. in the opponent's box. And that's, yeah. that's sorely missing without him. And that's kind of what I was getting at at the beginning with the, the spirit, you know, the 11 man yeah. It was more the attitude yeah. than his performance because it wasn't his top yeah. performance of the season, but the attitude's always there. No matter yeah. what Roma's doing in the match, he's, he's the one that's never giving up. He's yeah. not really hanging his head like some of these other guys a lot of the time. But um, in terms of the striker position, th- this just, I think, just further you know, goes to show that Roma's going to need a second striker next season. If Jekko is out the door that can play differently than Myrall and at a, a level at or above Myrall's level, even mm-hmm. if it's at Myrall's level, it's got to be a different profile, I think, because yeah. Myrall almost sometimes in terms of his size, he's almost like a false nine in, in some ways, not that he plays like a false nine, but in terms of his physical stature, I feel like yeah. he's not a striker who's going to win the aerial duels. He's not going to win the hold up play against, strong defenders things like that so you know i, I like I, him i would have said that that makes him i understand where you're coming from i would have said i'd, I'd favor him more as a poacher than like yes someone who like runs in behind the shoulder of the last man yes but yeah either way we're both making the same point that like you don't want him going up physically physically one-on-one against someone. yeah he, he profiles more as like if if you know the 442 were still in vogue like it was in the past he'd be like that second striker playing off yeah, of Jekko exactly. or something exactly. almost like what martinez does at at inter with lukaku yeah. i feel like yeah yeah exactly well uh i think that's yeah that pretty much wraps up our individual take on on the uh, on this match uh, unless there's anyone else you want to mention steve no i mean you know, the, the, ref, the referee the, <laughs> outside the referee. I don't want to blame the loss of the referee because Roma gave up plenty of chances and, you know, they were bailed out by the uh, assistance flag a couple times. That's but true. um, yeah. the sub, and I don't want to blame the substitutions for the loss either, but some of the substitution patterns were a little frustrating today. I thought Roma should have gone to the bench a little sooner. You know, mm. it took them almost 70 minutes bef- before they made a sub that wasn't Bruno Perez for Fazio. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like some of those kind of things frustrate me, you know, El Sharari sitting there and, you know, Pedro and, and these guys are there. I know you don't have Jacko, but I, I thought some changes should have been made sooner, but yeah. well, you that, know, that, that, that's a perfect segue for me to ask you how, how do you figure, how many articles do you think you're going to have to block on Twitter this week about Fonseca, 
Fonseca being under pressure. I, I'm sure the articles are still going to be there. The chatter is still going to be there. I'm sure there's angry people who already aren't fans of Fonseca, you know, calling for his head <laughs> on Twitter. I haven't been on Twitter since we started recording, but I'm sure there's plenty of uh, this, people this is calling why we need for Max it. Yeah. This- and, <laughs> and I still rate Fonseca. I am in no way, you know, you know, turning on Fonseca at this point in the season. I think, you know, the football we've played has been good. Um, certainly there's a couple positions that need upgrading if we want to compete with the best teams, but you know, I, I hope for his sake and, and our own mental sanity that, and at least in two of those last four games, we can beat maybe Lazio. And, and even if it's just Lazio and Napoli, even if we don't finish top four, at least beat a couple of those teams, because you can't go a whole season without beating like your, your six direct rivals for champions yeah. League football. I don't, I don't know if that's ever been done before. Yeah, it, it would, you know, it was funny because I mentioned that Chelsea United match earlier and, and those two teams are having the same issues in, in the Premier League as we are, okay. um, you know, both obviously in a better position, especially United's, I think, still second in the Premier League. But yeah, uh, they said United hasn't scored a goal from open play against a direct, a direct top six team. So I guess five other opponents they were considering like the Arsenal, Tottenham, City, Liverpool yeah. and Chelsea. Uh, it was it was uh, before the lockdown it was the last time they scored from open play against a top five type team. Like, uh, wow. yeah. Okay. And then their only other one they scored this year away from home. I think it was, maybe it was away from home was the stat. It might've been away from home against okay. a direct rival. And the yeah. only, the only goal they scored away from home against a direct rival this season was the penalty they got in the first like three minutes against Tottenham and then lost yeah. the match six, one. So I guess it could be worse in some ways <laughs> because at least Roma puts the ball in the net sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I guess it's not exclusive to Roma is the point I was trying to make with that kind of yeah. long winded little, you know, scenario that was presented during the broadcast today in the 20 minutes I saw uh, yeah. is that other teams struggle too, big clubs, Chelsea and United, same kind of scenario, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine we go a whole season without beating at least somebody. Geez, at least let it be Lazio, right? And let, not let them finish top four or something because <laughs> it's tough yeah. because, you know, and we've we've mentioned before, they've been so good against the teams that they've dropped points against in the past that have frustrated the hell out of us. And now they can't yes. get it done even two or three times through the season. Two or three times through the season might get you in the top four if it's against the right teams. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, like we said it before, I really expected this way to feel better. Like this new Roma that actually wins the matches they expected to win. I expected to yeah. feel good about this. Um, I do I do feel good about it lately because I, I've, I've adjusted to this new norm. Yeah. But, but I still find myself missing the old Roma where you yeah. can actually look forward to these games and, and feel good, like we have a chance. Like we have a chance for bragging rights on Monday. Yeah, because um, at least it's it, when it sucks to drop points to Spa yeah, and these kind of teams, yeah. at least when you have some bragging rights, because guess what? The people you you interact with on Twitter aren't Spa fans exactly. or you know people like that. <laughs> They're Inter and Juve and, and Milan fans for the most part. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, we just summed it up in a nutshell. Um uh, there's a there's a really really great article that came out on kzdotati.com today, and I'm not just picking us up as the writing staff because this didn't come up from any four of us, not me, not Steve, not Brent, not Jimmy. This came from Garrett10ft, who's a kzdotati uh, longtime reader member based in Portugal, and also a scientist. Uh, and you you would know that fact if you read his article today. It's called "How Fonseca is Overachieving with Roma." You can find it on the front page right now. Well, actually, now it'd be buried under the the, the loss to Milan, but um, it's still there in uh, in our featured articles. And it just shows that you know, if you come to Casey Desotti and you feel like writing your heart out about Roma, making a fan post, 
you will get attention when it, it reaches you know the standard that Garrett yeah. achieved today. Um, what he did was he put together I forgot which um, three variables he focused on, but I know that one of them was um, actually sorry I've forgotten all three of them now. But normally what people do is they they go by player value and sorry wage value really. Yeah, he, one of his values was player value on on transfer markets. Um, but normally people go by salary cap and wage va wage value. And people often make the argument against Fonseca that um, Roma is the third highest uh, paid squad in the league, so he should be you know, minimum top three. Uh, but what Garrett did was he, he looked historically at Roma's form um, uh, versus player value over the last decade and found that there's a correlation there where, you know, by no surprise, if, if the squad value goes down, the results go down with it. Um, and Fonseca is now actually overseeing in the last season and a half a rare, very rare period where the squad value of uh, Roma's players is, is going down, but the results are actually going up. So yeah, he, he used uh, points per match, team market value, yeah. and league market value were his three metrics. There you go. There you go. Those are three metrics right there. I'm not going to pretend like I understood um, exactly how he plugged in those values and came up with you know, what he did the first time of reading, but I, I really think it's it's a good, like it's, it's a real meat and bones article that gives a lot of cause for discussion. Um, he added a lot more to the Fonseca Roma debate than we've come up with so far. So check it out on kz.tati.com when you get the chance. Um, what else do we have coming this week, Steve, uh, aside from Fiorentina Roma coming up this Wednesday? Um, just a couple, I have a couple quick questions for you, Sean, before we go, a couple kind of Go off ahead. the cuff. So I'm thinking about Europa League now because, you know, the, the draw was last week. So first off, how do you feel about Shakhtar? Because I, I, I look at these draws and I, I almost feel like they're set up because first we play Braga and now we play Shakhtar back-to-back. <laughs> uh, -back. So that's kind of funny in my, in my view, a little bit ironic that it's Fonseca's last two clubs. I've, I've heard that been said on the forum, what you were saying, but uh, then I think how many people in Lyon actually have the spare you know, time and energy <laughs> to think about Paolo Fonseca? Yeah. It's just funny, but um, yeah. I, I mean, in my opinion, I think it could have been a lot, a lot worse than Shakhtar, but it could have been, it could have been better too. Um, you know, you saw like Tottenham drew a, a very weak side. There was a couple of weak sides in the draw, but I guess you know Shakhtar is kind of in the middle. How do you feel about Shakhtar? I've, I feel pessimistic. I feel yeah. I'm, I'm leaning towards it could be a lot better because I'll tell you why. Um, guess who has a, is allowed to have a home audience in, in their stadium when we face them? Oh, Ukraine. They have they have uh, fans in the stands in Ukraine. And yep. and a trip to Ukraine is never easy. Luckily, it'll nope. be March by the time we go, so it won't be the deep freeze of winter, but I'm sure it'll still yeah. be a fairly uh, difficult climate. Um, you know, March isn't that warm yet here in North America, let alone, I'm sure, in Eastern Europe, almost uh, yeah. in Russia. So... Uh, yeah, that's going to be a, a difficult trip. And I think Roma starts with the home match. So you have to hope exactly. that you kind of keep a, keep a clean sheet at home. So that, that was going to prompt me to ask me my, my other question to you is, at what point does Fonseca have to put even more weight into the Europa League to try and qualify for the Champions League? Because that's a direct route, too, if you can win the Europa League. Well, I know, I know he did say that the first match at the Olympico is fundamental for the tie. So I think if he's going to unload all his guns and, and unleash all his powder, it's going to be in that first tie. At the yeah, against I think so, too. I, we play Genoa next Sunday, followed by Shakhtar on the Thursday. I think, you know, at, you can't afford to drop points against Fiorentina or Genoa in the next two, but you also can't afford to just throw away that first match. And Jekyll will still be out. So I'm, I'm interested to see, to see the approach if he goes Myral all three matches, if Myral doesn't pick it back up in the next couple, or if maybe he goes mm -hmm. with an El Shawari or a Mkhitaryan false nine situation. It'll be interesting to see how he approaches these things. I just hope the defense is back intact a bit 
because I think that's what scares yes. me more than anything. Yes, I agree with you there. Um, I, yeah, like you said, we'll see. We'll see what he does. Um, it, what what his dilemma though is that if he does take Europa League, like if he bets the house in Europa League and goes deep in the competition, like to the semis, like he did last season, mm-hmm. and then faces a strong opponent and gets defeated soundly yes then that that makes it look bad in terms of retaining his job next year yes I, I agree for again yeah i i think at this so, point the league is still the priority but um if something goes bad against fiorentina or genoa i think you you have to weigh the option i think if you're fonseca like you said of making that game fundamental at least the first leg and see how it goes from yeah. there yeah. Um, you know, teams in Serie A are going to drop points, just like like Roma is. You know, Milan's still in the Europa League, and they're playing United head to head. So, um, you know, they're going to have to expend some energy on Thursday nights too if they expect to uh, have yeah. any chance of advancing. You know, Lazio yeah. will be out soon of you know uh, Champions League football, but Atalanta and Juve only lost by a goal in their first one. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out because teams will drop points. We've seen that you know this weekend with Lazio against Bologna. Not many people would have bet on Lazio losing, but it happened. So, and even mm-hmm. Juve dropping points to Hella. So points will be there. It's just Roma's going to have to take advantage at some point of yeah. six points. Well, that's what that's what I was going to ask you about your future because um, one thing I look forward to nowadays is the the regular poll you do every week about who 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 do we fancy to drop points around. Us. Yeah, and I had um I had uh, Atalanta Sampdoria was my pick. Who was your pick? Uh, I think I, I th- I'm pretty sure I had uh, Bologna Lazio be- just because Lazio was coming off of that uh, okay. that defeat. You know, that I know Hel- Hel- Hellas. When I-, I was actually surprised when I wrote that piece, how many of those matches the first time around in the first, uh, yeah. you know, 18 matches of Serie A actually were not won by the favored team. You know, Juve yeah. drew Hellas both times this year. Um, Lazio did beat Bologna, but Sampdoria had hammered. Um, Atalanta. That's when Atalanta was in like a rough spell and they beat them. I remember Benevento gave Napoli a real good match, even though they lost. So it wasn't as like clear cut as it, as you expected. Um, yeah. But I, I was kind of tipping Bologna just because Lazio was coming off that, that shellac got the hands of yeah. uh, Bayern, Please. which I didn't get to watch it, but from all accounts, uh, if Bayern didn't kind of just turn it off it at the bad. end, it, it would have been yeah. one of those seven, one, you know, Roma style yeah. beatdowns. Yeah, and they and they're still gonna go away to the yeah. Alliance Arena. So yeah, yeah they, like it still happened. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully <could>. we hope. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, turns out turns out you were right because uh, Bologna Lazio was the upset of the weekend, and yeah. uh, that's that's what I like about uh, that feature so far is that maybe it speaks to the quality of Serie A this year that it's so open. The, the, the surveys, the polls, never are easy every week. So it's yeah. always like, oh, I could pick this one, or that one, and uh, yeah, the games are really tight and upsets are happening every week. Um, it'd be nice if Roma upset a big rival for a chance. Yeah, but, what I have to decide yeah. soon is how long do I keep putting Inter in there if I'm talking about how, to, how these <laughs> matches directly affect Roma because they might be running away in the Scudetto race sooner rather yeah. than later if things go their yeah. way. But that, um, that, ship, that ship might have sailed. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just going back to the Europa League briefly. Yeah, for me, um, I, I I only question how far this Fonseca really want to go in this competition i'm sure mm-hmm. on a personal level he wants to go as far as possible but yeah how how much does it really benefit him because we're saying that roma uh struggle against physical sides and they're bound to come up against physical sides yeah. if they make the final four you know yep. so it's going to run into the same old problems yeah but as far as, far as yeah thursday nights the next thursday roma have to give everything regardless of whether he wants to go deep in the competition or not because 
I, I don't make this as favorites this high. I make Shakhtar's favorites. You know, they have the, the their fixture at home in the second leg. They've got the crowd behind them. So I make us the second favorites. Um, I don't know if you disagree or, or how do you feel about it? I think on paper, Roma will be favored by probably many of the betting websites and those kind of people that make those odds. But I think yeah. a lot of it comes down to how does the first leg go? You know, yeah. how, do, how does Roma perform? If they go and get a 2 nothing win at home, then maybe, you know, they can manage it the, the way they did against Braga, even if it's on the road. But yeah. if, you know, it's a 2-1 or, you know, a draw, a scoring draw especially, then I think, you know, you favor Shakhtar at home mm-hmm. with, with fans, something Roma hasn't seen in almost 12 months now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Well, we'll get to that match when we get to it. But before then, this week, midweek, Fiorentina, it's Fiorentina away. Um, is it away? Yeah, it is away. It, it should um, be away. Yeah. Fiorentina versus Roma is on Wednesday. And we might be there. Uh, so we might be coming back with the episode 34 on the same day. Or you might hold off and uh, be back on our regular schedule Monday, which we haven't been for two weeks now. But uh, we'll see. We'll play it by ear. Um, until then, Steve, is there anything else you want to say? No, not much. Just, uh, you know, looking forward to hopefully a win on Wednesday and then Roma getting back on track because, you know, the way Serie A is shaking out now, you know, it's still open for the top four, but, you know, you don't want teams like Milan to start pulling away or even Juve to, you know, couldn't take advantage this weekend. You don't want these teams pulling away too far because it's going to, could be difficult. Yeah, agreed, agreed. We'll see you on Wednesday. And uh, until then, you can find us on kzdetotti.com. Join the forum, make your comments. You can find us at Twitter at kzdetotti. But until then, bye for now. Bye.